What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 150 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and this week I'm joined by John Cartwright. Nobody else because, well, Mario Maker 2 has come out, and it's kind of crazy here at Game Explained. There's, everybody's doing something, everybody's trying to keep up with things, and it's we kind of have to divide and conquer a little bit, and so that's why we don't have a lot of people on here. Uh, we're probably not going to be playing a game today. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast. There's a lot to do. So, yay, what a way to celebrate episode 150. It's just like, yeah, we're Short busy. And sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Wait, yeah, Mario Maker 2 has been crazy, though. In the last 24 hours, we've done around 12 videos. And these aren't just like clip, um, quick like gameplay uploads. These are fully edited videos. They take a lot of time. Um, both Andre and I have just been so, so busy with this. And you've just come back from New York. So yeah, we've we've all been like all over the place this past week. Yeah, it feels like I haven't been able to just settle down after E3 because it was straight into analysis. Uh, I had to do a banjo analysis because all of our banjo guys were busy. <laughs> Everybody's actually oh, played right. banjo, uh, you know, working on Mario Maker or just not available. And I uh, so I you know played banjo the original banjo kazooie up until Rusty Bucket Bay, I believe it is, until I stopped. So I knew. A, decent amount about banjo i just wasn't a hardcore fan and uh worked with uh ash andre and uh amy uh getting tips from them so i went through a basic idea found what i could spot what i realized and like sent it to them I was like okay what do you, what did i miss <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's quite cool to see this one's a bit of like a team effort uh, analysis as well Especially having Amy in there, because she hasn't done that, main, that that many videos outside of her E3 assistance. No, yeah, she she hasn't uh, been able to do that, and she's, she, I mean, she freaked out for Banjo, because we probably, <laughs> among the most out of all of us, she's a big fan. I, th- so I think the most. I, th- I think it was definitely the most. Yeah. <laughs> she, like, she, she, I think she said that she has uh, been wanting this game, went and hit Banjo and Smash since the original. It's like, right. why isn't yeah, he there? Damn. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're right, though. Since E3, there's there's been no pause. We've just been we just we just kept going. Mm-hmm. I was saying to you before this podcast that uh, on my Switch at the moment, I have Mario Maker looking at me, which I've been playing to death. I've also got Bloodstained, the Dragon Quest Builders demo, and um, what else? And the Secret of Mana Collection, that just the Mana Collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't touched any of them. So I just don't have the time to, and I really want to. <laughs> I really want to play all those games. Yeah, exactly. But Mario Maker just taking up all this time. It's even without Mario Maker in my case, I still don't have enough time. The only reason I got to play and finish Final Fantasy Adventure was because of my trip to New York, where I got to do a bu- uh, some post E three stuff, and I uh, had to get all that, those videos ready today for the weekend. Whenever we want to post those to break up the Mario Maker coverage, like it's it's crazy. But hey, I was able to beat Final Fantasy Adventure and. Yeah, it still holds up really well for a Game Boy game. Yeah, yeah, I've heard so. I, w- I want to try it myself because I've never actually played that one. I've only played Secret of Mana in the entire collection. Mm. So uh, those, those both um, the um, Trials of Mana and Final Fantasy Adventure are kind of new games to me. Yeah, I mean, all of them are new games to me. I've had a couple of opportunities to play uh, Secret of Mana in the past. I just haven't been able to take them. And so on the trip uh, back from New York, I took a little bit of time to uh, at least start playing Secret of Mana. I have all the three, all three of the characters now and gotten through. And it's actually really cool to go into Secret of Mana after playing Final Fantasy Adventure because you can totally see what systems were taking taken from where uh the fact that the shopkeepers dance originated in final fantasy adventure is like oh okay there's there's a bit more to this than like you know this it does feel like a sequel it's cool to see the progression 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can't wait to see the remake as well of Trials of Mana. That's, uh, that's next year, I believe. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see, too. Uh, actually, one interesting thing that happened this week is I went to my post E3 event in Windsor, in London. Mm-hmm. And um, there's one thing we did in Link's Awakening where we got Rock's Feather early and went outside the dungeon and explored more of the world. And basically, we went outside what would usually be the boundaries of that demo because it ends after the dungeon, no matter how fast you go through. So we took Rock's Feather and went even further than we normally can. And we found uh, Mr. Wright. And also went to Tao Tao Heights and listened to the music there for a bit. <laughs> and the, the funny thing there was, is um, the Nintendo reps didn't stop me. <laughs> they encouraged me. <laughs> um, one guy behind me was like, oh, yeah, no, no one's done this before. And there's, there's one guy panicking a little bit, saying, oh, we didn't think that anyone would ever, would ever try this. But they all seemed really happy that we actually, <laughs> we actually went for it, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah, actually, um, we I, they were when I went to my appointment, they were aware of that. And they were like, they I guess they had a little discussion. It's like, you know... It's in the demo, <laughs> so that's why yeah. they, they allowed it. So that's a, that's that's literally what they said. So, uh, I mean, all the embargo says is um, you can show ten minutes of this game. That's all it says. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Show, if it's ten minutes, we can show any of it. <laughs> exactly. So for for my demo, I finally got to play Link's Awakening as well, and nice. um, you know, I didn't really go beyond. I was basically trying to earn money because uh, apparently we hadn't really shown off. Fishing or the crane game, both of which require uh, require rupees. So I did a bit of fishing, and have you done that at all yet? I didn't do any fishing. No. Okay, yeah, it's it feels pretty much the same from what I remember of the original. Uh, the big difference here is there's there, there's actually a fairy bottle to find within the uh, pond. Right. So yeah. I, uh, I believe um, Dampe's dungeon area has a fairy bottle too. So that's I guess they've scattered them around the world now. Yes, I'm not, I I don't have. Uh, much experience with the original Link's Awakening, so I don't even know if that was an item in the original, but... I don't think it was. I think bottles are entirely new to the remake. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of cool to see where they're uh, hiding them, and it was what was really funny is the first time I went for the bottle, I was just reeling it up, not even really thinking. I was like, okay, I should be fine. And uh, one of the fish, like, attacked it and knocked off the bottle, like, oh, you <laughs> freaking thing. And so I uh, was going for, I had to go for it again. It was a nice little bit of timing to just sort of get it out of its range and then finally get it to me. So that was, you know, that was a bit of fun. And oh, that crane great game is rough. <laughs> I was scared of it. So my, my original plan was to um, get the magic powder early in the crane game because that way you don't, you don't have to go into the forest and um, spray it on the man who becomes a raccoon. And I thought if I just get it from the crane game, it'll, it'll save some time. I'll be fine. I tested it on the Game Boy the night before, and you have plenty of time to get from the first area to the dungeon. Mm-hmm. So I just went the normal route, because the crane game looks really scary now. Yeah. <laughs> it has actual, um, actual crane physics are involved in these items now. Yeah, I, I had a couple times, because I was trying to get the, the, uh, the Yoshi doll. Uh-huh. And uh, that that's a stationary target. The, the the magic powder bag is not a stationary target, so good luck right. on that timing. Uh, and I was able to... I, completely messed up the first time because i didn't i didn't realize it was like you get one press on this one you get one press on this one i was trying to like tap it to try to target it a little bit more it's like nope this is traditional controls so that's messed up that time and then the one time i did kind of get it targeted i uh caught the head on, on one of them and it served to just knock it over and it's like oh man uh <laughs> but i i did eventually get it i got very lucky like i, I grabbed it and he was shaking all around in that claw but fortunately, he fell in such a way that he laid himself a little better there, so the, I actually did get him. And I was oh, hoping nice. to show off um, 
the 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 new elements of uh, the crane game because after you get that I'm I'm sure you've seen all the pe- uh, pedestals around like Terrence House right mm-hmm. uh, well that's actually part of the crane game where you, uh, you can like the first thing I saw was like a little I think it was Bow Wow the the, uh, the chain chomp with a bow on its head um, right uh, a little figure of that so you can actually keep playing the crane game in order to get these other figures and decorate them around town. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the crane game in the Game Boy version as well is everything went around on a carousel, and um, you could basically land in the same place every time, oh, <laughs> and yeah. you would always win. Um, so this one, uh, if because like rupees are weird shapes, they're kind of hard to grab, and they kind of they, and when the crane goes up, um, the actual physics of the object uh, go in contact with that too. So it's, it's way harder than before. Mm. There's a lot more skill involved. I am kind of afraid of going for that heart piece <laughs> because oh, I had yeah. so much trouble going for the Yoshi, uh, the, the the Yoshi doll. That it's like, oh man, what's it going to be like getting a thin, flat object? <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a uh, 100 rupee or a 500 rupee on the far right, and that's going to be hell because there's a, there's a lot of distance mm. to carry that thing. Interesting thing though is that 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 rupee got replaced uh, when I got the. Um, uh, Yoshi doll. And I went back in. It was that it was replaced oh. by that bow wow, and there was a different rupee uh, on the left side where Yoshi was. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> lots of incentive to keep coming back to that. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, lots lots of reasons to keep coming back to the crane game and keep playing that. Uh, another thing, actually, that they showed off to me that I don't know if we knew before. Um, have you, did you check out the map at all when you played? I did very briefly. Okay. When you checked out the map, did you already uh, find any of the heart pieces or, like, the secret seashells? I don't think I did, no. Yeah. They showed off a new feature that is really cool. The map will mark where you found all of your secret seashells and heart pieces. So you no longer have to wonder where you found them. It's all marked there. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you're getting basically brand new information on this game because I don't think any of this stuff has been said. Yeah, before. I have it on, on list. I have it ready for the go to go. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, patrons get it a little earlier, but it should we should maybe 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 make that live today. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, because I didn't realize how new some of this stuff was, but yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty cool. Had a good Exclusive time. Exclusive for you guys. There you go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, uh, got, got all that and, uh, uh, you know, played Collection of Mana. I've been playing the heck out of Bloodstained on the PS4. I wanted to review it, but I just don't think I have the time anymore. It's just, it's so big of a game and there's so much else to cover. Uh, I'm scared to try the Switch version. Because not only do I not really have time to play it, but I've heard so many bad things about it. And, um, Imran from Game Informer on Twitter has basically been saying that they've replaced some elements with, like, stationary 2D images. So there's a part where there's a conversation going on, and the entire background, which is rendered on the PS4, is literally just an image on Switch. Mm. So they've clearly made some compromises. Uh, I still want to try it. I'm just kind of scared that maybe they've made too many compromises. Yeah, I, I have a friend. I, he got he has it on the Switch, and he definitely agreed. It's it's not a very good looking game on the Switch, but he's still having fun with it. If when That's if you good. look over the graphical issues. Hmm. I do wonder if we'll see more from Bloodstained in the future. Like, do you think this is just a one-off, or will this become like a, a bigger franchise? I mean, it's gotten a lot of good reception, and I, I don't know how the, the sales are, but I would definitely not be opposed to more Bloodstained. I'm actually surprised how much I've been enjoying the game. It just, like, it had some, you know, I have some 
problems with it. I think it's a little janky even on the PS4 version, but the more I play it, the less I care how the, about the, the issues. It's just I'm having more and more fun. And it keeps drawing back in. There's some junk really is junk is kind of part of the game. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, like, it's more of a feature than um, than a complaint. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I just I've just been really enjoying it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess this is technically the second Bloodstained because uh, Integrates had their very own um, last year. Or if you not, yeah, was it last year? I think it was last year. Yeah, I year. think it was. Yeah. Yeah, Curse yeah. of the Moon, which uh, was also surprisingly good. <laughs> like, yeah, you, like you kind of underestimate this franchise, and then they put the, put out the games. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, you guys know what you're doing. I mean, the Switch version yeah. again is not the best, but in basic gameplay sense, they 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 nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. But um, apart from Mario Maker, I've not really done that much this week. I'm seeing Toy Story Four on Sunday. And uh, we've had to make a bit of a compromise here because Roxy really wants to see X Men, oh <laughs> which I've shown her the reviews. She doesn't care. She doesn't, she still wants to see it. Mm. So what we might do is a bit of a, like a double bill thing where we see Toy Story in the morning and then linger around for a bit and then see X Men. Um, I don't know. Which, if we, maybe you should switch those to so end with a good movie. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like we're just going to go out on a downer after that. But yeah, unless they're like I, hitting I'm up the bar afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean we've seen all the X Men movies, so I guess we should see this one. But I am not, I am not looking forward to it. I yeah, I, I have no interest. I've seen some people like it's it's fine, but it's also just I, I have no interest. I missed out on it. I'm like okay, whatever. I I'm not seeing it. I even have the A plus rewards. I haven't I haven't had a chance to go to the movies in a while. Although I am gonna try to see Toy Story four tonight. We'll we'll see if it happens or not with uh, how busy things are. But I'm gonna do my best. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because up until now I had no interest in Toy Story Four. The entire premise of this movie I was not on board for, but um, now that it's out, I'm actually strangely excited for it. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean it has good, really good reviews. Andre loves it, loves it, so he like it, prefers it over three, which is kind of crazy. But we'll see how that all goes. Yeah, and it's rare when Andre likes a movie too, so that's, uh, that's always a good sign. Yeah, though, although he does love Aladdin, so <laughs> who knows? I mean, his uh, judgment must be must be questioned. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't say other than the New York trip and uh, just working on other things. I can't say I've been up to a lot this past week. I did go to too many games on Saturday and got to meet a ton of different YouTubers. Uh, just you know, friends, some I already knew, some I met for the first time, and all really super nice. Like I actually retweeted a photo that we all took after this uh, dinner that we did, um, where there's like 30 of us all like uh, lined up for a picture, and it was it was, mm-hmm. it was a really good time. And I picked up, um, I guess I was on my on Mana kick because I found uh, Legend of Mana on the PS1, which is basically Secret of Mana, uh, you know, the fourth game in the series. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, decided to get that, uh, along with uh, Shadow Hearts from the New World, which I've heard really good things mm-hmm. about. And yeah, really interesting picks. Mm-hmm. And anything they, else? Was it, was it just those two? Uh, I got a shadow box of the uh, campfire scene from Chrono Trigger. Do you know what a shadow box oh. is? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it, it's one of the first decoration I've hung up in my office since I've moved in, even though I've been here for a year now. Uh, I've been very <laughs> slow to decorate. Um, but yeah, got it. Looks great. It even has this really cool AR function uh, using something called a Zappar app. app. You scan the, this thing in the uh, corner that's uh, for the frame, and it'll actually play the scene and with music and everything. Oh, wow. It's it's really cool. That's really awesome. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've, I've not been out too much really either. Just <laughs> just Mario Maker 
Um, post E3 stuff, I think that's been my entire week. Yeah, and I don't yeah. don't really see that changing much for next week. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's, there's Boy, this summer's going to be busy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think this is the worst of it, though. E3's done. Mario Maker's, the, the hard bit's done. Um, well, actually, no, I, I say that. There's going to be Fire Emblem. There's going to be Dragon Quest. There's right. going to be Wolfenstein. Right. We're and, not done. We're never yeah, that, done. That's, that's <laughs> July. And then August, not real. I think August is where we get most of our break until Astral Chain on the uh, 31st. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we say that. I'm sure they're going to announce some games that's just going to flood August. Yeah. I mean, isn't Damien X Machina coming out sometime around there, too, in August? I forget. Yeah, I mean, it's not I like we have a, big, a lot of hype for that game, but it's something, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm not sure who's going to cover that one, because the general consensus for that around Game Explain is, eh. It's fine. You know. Yeah, it's, it's, we'll see. It's there. We'll see how much time I have. I, I mean, uh, <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses looks huge, so that's going to be my focus. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see how that all turns out. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, otherwise, not a whole lot going on. Just uh, trying to keep up and stay above water. Yep. So We're doing okay. <laughs> for now. Um, but <laughs> let's go ahead and jump into our news topics for the week. And right off the bat, we got a, a kind of, I guess, kind of a surprise announcement from way forward. There was a... Um, trademark that was found that made people wonder but uh, they've announced a, a mighty switch force collection for every platform that includes uh, the first three games plus the remake the HD remake of the first game uh, included in it so uh, I've never played any of the mighty switch force games so this is actually an attractive bundle for me I've heard nothing hmm. but good things I've only played the first one um, which I really liked but uh, I guess the, the other the other ones just kind of passed me by. I will say the first game was great for the 3D effect, though. Every single time you um, basically use the game's core mechanic, you'll get this nice little pop-out effect, mm-hmm. which I guess that might be lost in the newer collections, but either way, the games are still great as they are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I, I mean, I saw a little bit... I think I years ago, probably with the original game, I played Tom a little bit of Tom's copy uh, on his 3DS of Mighty Switch Force, and I remember getting pulled into it pretty quickly. It was just Yeah, a it's good a good art style, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty. WayForward's pretty good about their art styles, like, like nice and clean and fun looking. Yeah, yeah, this is a good way to do it as well. You get a lot of games that are ported to Switch, and it's just like a port of a like a seven year old game. Um, doing an entire collection, I think, is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me a lot more interested, and you know, it does, yeah, it makes the value seem that much better. So, yeah, I'm actually interested in getting this. <laughs> yeah, I think I am too. So, yeah, very cool. Uh, next bit of news we have here is honestly kind of a shock. I didn't. I never expected <laughs> this to happen. Um, Square announced that they are finally fixing the Final Fantasy IX music bug in the PS4 version of the uh, re-release, and they're fixing the other versions uh, very soon. They're working on those other ones. But holy crap, they they you know they did it for the Switch version of Seven after a, l- a little bit and. I just thought they were going to write off nine and never going to do it, but no, they actually fixed the uh, fixed the music bug. Yeah, it's kind of nuts because people have been talking about this thing since the games came out, and um, they they haven't done a thing until now. I, I, I wonder why now. Like, why why is now the time to do this? 
I I feel like there's this big Final Fantasy push all of a sudden, especially with eight coming out. So maybe they want all the versions to be as good as possible. Uh, they got yeah, they have the Mana Collection, which is kind of a spin off. It started as a spin off of Final Fantasy, so there's that aspect, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. It's yeah. it's interesting. I still kind of expect um, Final Fantasy VIII to launch with this glitch, <laughs> just going <laughs> off, uh, off the precedence of other versions. I think, I think it will launch with this glitch and take like a year to fix. <laughs> That'd be sad. Also, maybe it'll happen to Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> maybe. It's just a glitch across <laughs> all their games. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but no, it's great to see Square actually, you know, finally addressing this. I don't know why it took so long, but at least it wasn't forgotten. Mm-hmm. I will say it didn't ruin my experience. I went through nine for a while without actually knowing that the glitch existed. It wasn't until people pointed it out that I really knew about it. So it, it's not like a game-breaking glitch, but it's still very cool that they went out of their way to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I heard. I, I I picked up nine on Switch, but I haven't had a chance to play it. I also want to want to get seven and eight as well. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it always all goes back to the there's too many games to play. Not enough time to play them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's going to be very cool to like turn on your Switch and see Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, 10, 10, 2, and 12 mm. just all staring at you. That's though, um, Because of the way Roman numerals work, though, if you put your Switch by title, <laughs> it's going to mess up a lot. Oh, so, yeah. like, it doesn't put, account for that, does it? Right, no, it doesn't. So Final Fantasy 9 comes before 7. So the entire thing is just going to be a giant mess. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh well. I mean, it happens. At least they're there. <laughs> yeah, at least they're there. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the uh, Switch version of Bloodstained, um, Artplay actually has been an, uh, acknowledging the issues uh, of of that version and promising that they'll be uh, fixing it as soon as possible. Uh, they actually uh, had an update um, to uh, Destructoid where they actually wanted to talk about what they're going to be doing. So... Uh, this is according to uh, Jason Question Ryan, and he says, uh, Regarding the Switch version of the game, the amazing teams at WayForward and Artplay are already hard at work on improvements. Below is a list of what we're working to fix ASAP via multiple updates over the next few weeks. HD Rundle Fix, which is already completed, Crash Stability, Optimizing Miriam's Jump, and a variety of updates to the game and engine, including optimizing the animation of certain enemies. Uh, WayForward is testing some techniques to accomplish big things here, but it may be risky and require lots of testing, and may need to be pushed to a later update. They're also addressing the input delay wherever it occurs, switch-specific loading optimizations, which requires a bit more work and will probably be the last ASAP of the pa- last of the ASAP patches. Um, so uh, he says, obviously, the above plane will adapt as we identify priorities and new tasks, and as we add development resources, but we'll keep you updated as we go. We'll also have more to announce soon as we do more to improve the Switch version of Bloodstained. We are committed long-term to making sure the Switch version is just as great and enjoyable as other platforms, and this is just a window into our immediate action plans. So it's great to see them actually saying, yeah, it's a bit messed up, we're going to work to fix that. It's like that it's happening happening post-release, but at least it's not like a Mighty Number no. Nine situation where that 3DS version and Vita version are coming, guys. I promise. There's like <laughs> at least they're keeping keeping communications up. Uh, I really respect this, and you're right. The Bloodstained is still a really good Kickstarter game, and I think Kickstarter has kind of a stigma now because of Mighty Number no. Nine and because of uh, whatever other games have released and not been too great, like Ukulele. 
But um, Bloodstained, I think, gets the benefit of the doubt because it's so good as it is. Um, and yeah, I do wish they maybe held back a little bit to fix some of the stuff at launch, but it's still fine. You know, it's still in a playable state. And I do respect that they've, they've actually gone out of the way to say what's happening and when. Um, and maybe they kind of have to because people did essentially pay to have this game made. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe there's more like on their shoulders to say this kind of stuff. But still, a lot of developers just release their games and then go on to the next thing because they're not really getting more money by making it better because um, the money's already been made. So it's quite respectful that they're doing this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good sign. And I, I'm glad they're making these fixes, made, uh, having these changes. I didn't realize there was that many issues with the Switch version, again, because I've been playing the PS4 one. Um, but it really is just a, a great game. And it really... Uh, you can see the inspiration from... Castlevania, but you also see where the original ideas are taking place or where they tweaked it to make it a little bit better or a little bit more of their own. And yeah, I, I really hope they do get this fixed because I want more people to try this game out because it is a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to try it soon. Um, part of me wants to hold off until it's better, but um, I mean, the, the, ba the base game's there, and I'm sure that's going to be as great as it is now, months from now. So maybe it's worth just trying when I get the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, and hopefully, it sounds like maybe by the end of summer they'll have this all hammered out. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, uh, well, next up we got something, uh, something of a surprise. It kind of came out of nowhere <laughs> with an announcement, and is coming out extremely soon. Uh, but a new game was announced called Soul Seraph, which is getting a lot of attention uh, because it's basically a new act raiser it's not made by the same team it's, this is this is being made by the team of uh called ace team uh who did the rock of ages games uh if you're familiar with those at all um but they even got the original composer of act raiser uh yuzo koshiro to do the opening theme of this game don't know if he's doing all the music but he's at least doing the opening uh, uh theme and i've never played act raiser myself but i've seen so many people uh, talk up the original game and how great it was and how how it uh, combined 2D action with uh, sort of the sim element was, uh, like creating a civilization. Mm -hmm. I've not played Actraiser either, but uh, this is the kind of announcement you just don't see coming. Especially from Sega, because they haven't really been diving into their old IPs all that much lately. It's, it's really just kind of hey, Sonic and <laughs> whatever <laughs> else uh, they have on, uh, like Persona, I guess. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's just reading this headline was kind of like, it felt like satire almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's great for fans, and I'm, I'm kind of interested. I might even give it a go when it comes out. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a type of game you see often, because Actraiser was actually done by, I believe, Enix at the time, uh, if I remember correctly. I, I can't remember completely, but, yeah, uh, I, I don't think it was done by Sega since it was, you know, on the SNES. Um, mm -hmm. But... Uh, yeah, it's just a, a, a cool new IP that, you know, kind of caught my attention as soon as I watched the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really interesting. And I, I want to see more of this kind of stuff from Sega in the future. Mm -hmm. And it has kind of dawned on me that Sega haven't done that much with any of their, like, post-Mega um, Drive backlog. So basically all of their re-releases, and I know this is kind of a limitation of Sega ages, but all of their re-releases re lately have just been the Genesis era. Um, they're sitting on a lot of games from the past generation, like Sonic CD, Sonic Adventure HD, all those are still on other platforms, but not on modern ones. 
uh, even like mobile ports of Sonic 1 and 2 are like seven year- years old now, mm. and they're still just stuck on, <laughs> on the App Store. So I-, I wish Sega would do a bit more like with their older stuff yeah than the, than they're doing already yeah that'd be uh that'd be ideal i mean they they have a heck of a catalog to work through, so mm-hmm. you think i mean a Saturn collection or a Dreamcast collection would do really well, but they've never done yeah. one i mean remember that they did like a Dreamcast collection on the three sixty but it was four games it was like oh, right. Sonic adventure crazy taxi. I think Space Channel 5 Part 2, for some reason. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I think it was Sega Bass Fishing. So, yeah, what, what an all-star collection that was. Yeah, exactly. Got, man, Bass Fishing. Mm, wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd thing. Um, I mean, at least we are getting a Panzer, a, a Panzer Dragoon remake, which looks really True, good. Yeah. So there's, there's signs of life somewhere <laughs> here and there. Yeah, it's cooking. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, boy. And the final bit of news we have this week is uh, a Dragon Quest Builders 2 demo has been released for both the Switch and PS4. And this is basically the same demo that was at uh, PAX East and E3, where you can either start from the beginning of the game and, uh, you know, see how it all begin, uh, all starts, get the uh, tutorials and learn how you're doing it. Or a little bit later when you're ac- actually out in the world uh, learning new recipes and building things up and getting a sense of, of, of the story and the new elements that they're bringing to uh, Builders 2. And the reason I put this in here, guys, play Builders 2. Play this demo. <laughs> like I played the original demo <laughs> when it was coming out for the PlayStation 4 and just hooked me immediately. Just dug its claws in me. I couldn't wait for the game. And the full version was just fantastic. So I can only imagine that the same thing would happen to people who have not tried any of the Builders games before with this demo. Try it, please. It's so good. Uh-huh. Echoing those thoughts, the, the first Builders is one of my favorite Switch games. I've put in, like, I think, like, 60 hours into that game. Um, it, it just continuously joys you, uh, fills you with joy, I should say. Mm-hmm. It's the, I don't like Minecraft much, but it's taken the, the core of Minecraft and turned it into an actual RPG. There's, um, there's NPCs, there's a story pushing the, pushing the quest forward. It feels like an RPG. It feels like a normal Dragon Quest game under the rules of Minecraft. Um, so yeah, absolutely give it a go. And I remember at E3, we were on the show floor waiting for some, uh, I think it's just some meeting we had or mm-hmm. something, and we saw the Dragon Quest Builders 2 demo there, and we said, eh, this doesn't really feel like the an E3 thing, I'd rather play this at home. And you know, here it is, <laughs> yeah. here it is to play at home. Perfect. Um, so yeah, absolutely give it a go. It's free, go download it right now. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's just completely charming how they go about it especially because it's technically the bad guys who give you the tutorial so it's just mm-hmm. it's it's very amusing in that way and then later on you uh you know you weren't able to gain levels before but now you have a partner with you named uh, malroth who does gain levels and it's it's you know this kind of interesting balance and i've heard a lot of quality of, of life uh improvements over the original builders is in this game as well so yes please keep supporting this game <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this one's big. Has online as well, which is um, <laughs> that's like a, a limitless potential there. Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's only for the sort of open area uh, building, not not story mode. But yeah, uh-huh. still, still you can play with friends, build something that's you know getting a little bit closer to I guess what Minecraft strives to do. But you know, whatever, I'm just I'm just happy for more builders. <laughs> it makes me yeah, so happy. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's pretty much all the major news topics for this week. It's kind of, it's funny, for as busy as we've been, the news itself has been kind of light. Yeah, 
I mean, I guess Mario Maker is the big headline this week. Yeah, really is. Uh, and actually, well, speaking of that, we'll jump into our uh, topics for this week. And as always, for uh, just uh, $1 a month, you guys can support us on Patreon. Get these podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as offer up topics like the ones we, topics like the ones we have here and access to our VIP room in our, in our Discord. And uh, speaking of which, John, why don't you go into uh, your topic this week? <laughs> sure. So my question comes from Straw Hat Ninja, and he says, Greetings, GX. Andre received some flack for his Mario Maker 2 review for not giving it as high a score as some people wanted. I applaud him and all of you for giving honest reviews no matter what negativity they are received. Uh, this is why I can trust your reviews. I don't have to worry about bias or fake reviews. Keep up the great work. I look forward to seeing more of your reviews, especially Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> no, boy, no pressure, Derek. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want to um, make a question out of this, can you talk about what process you go through in reviewing games? And what makes you decide on how you score differently for different games? So, yeah, um, I want to bring up the Andre thing as well for Mario Maker 2. Um, I agree with him. We all went through the script before you made it, and we all said, this seems fair, your review seems justified. And I think the problem is, is there's a lot of fans out there who maybe want a confirmation bias. They want to they wanna re- see a review and get hyped by it. And that's fine. I mean, no, no one wants to watch a review and uh, that, that, for a game they're looking forward to and be bummed by it. Mm. Um, but that's just sometimes the reality, is not all games are flawless to everyone. Um, people have different opinions, and something that is a flaw to you may not be a flaw to another person. So I agree with Andre's review. I've read other reviews as well, and I agree with those reviews. Um, I think people's opinions just do differ, and if everyone had the same opinion, we'd be in a very boring world. <laughs> so if, if a game has a flat-out like 10 out of 10 across the board, I think something's wrong. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a problem there. There needs to be some kind of diversity in thoughts. Yeah. So um, I, I, I welcome this kind of thing. It's one of those things looking at Mario Maker and you know hearing what he had to say and just some of the issues that are inherently there, especially online, uh, it just seems like this is not a perfect game. <laughs> there, there's definitely some issues there. There's a lot of fun to be had with this game, but there are definitely some issues that can pop up that can seem to hamper the experience. Now, I've not touched Mario Maker 2 at all uh, yet, so I, I you know can't say personally, but... I know how much Andre's put into this game, and uh, yeah, I believe him when he says you know things like this. So I, I read his review; it seemed you know uh, completely fine to me, especially because uh, you know he pointed out the things he really liked about this this game and what it did really well. But uh, I also like I was there; I saw the struggle <laughs> for him trying to create things uh-huh. quickly with the controller when, at, at first time. And it's a little scary that it never quite got better for him. <laughs> right. And uh, Andre, I think he might have played Mario Maker 1 more than any other reviewer who <laughs> reviewed Mario <laughs> Maker 2. He played the hell out of this game. He knows it inside and out. And actually, the Mario Maker community, the the, the core one, uh, have actually had a bit of a backlash against 2. Because a lot of elements in 2 um, that, that were in the first one have been fixed. Well, I, I say fixed. So there are um, things, I guess, Nintendo considered bugs, which were features for a lot of the Mario Maker community, and they're no longer in Mario Maker 2. And some of it's really simple stuff, like you can't bounce on enemies in lava anymore, uh, and you also can't draw on the starting line, which you could in the first game. And then it gets a bit more uh, complicated with some mechanics that I don't quite understand myself, but you can't <laughs> do them in Mario Maker 2. So um, and maybe Andre's even seen it from that point of view. Maybe he's, he's, uh, he's played this game so much that he sort of realises... This kind of stuff's missing without even fully knowing that. Um, 
But yeah, that that's Mario Maker 2. I think I, I really enjoy the game. Uh, Andre really enjoys the game. We gave it a good review. But uh, it's not flawless. That's just the thing. Mm. And no game is flawless. I think there'd be a problem if there were a flawless game. Because there's got to be something to improve upon in the next. Oh, yeah. Uh, or just in general. Um, but a as for how I go about reviewing games, um, I tend to... So what I usually do is I just play through a game normally. I try not to stress about it. I just try to play it like I would like a normal person. Like I'm not reviewing the game. Uh, and then when I'm done, I just kind of reflect for a while. And uh, the th I think the, the important thing to do quite often, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to do because I'm on time constraints sometimes, but I think the important thing to do is just simmer. Simmer with your thoughts for a while. Because mm -hmm. it's very easy to come off a game and have a great high about it and just think, like, this game was amazing. And then a week later, you might not even be thinking about it. So I think there, there's a problem with that. Like, we have games like Little Big Planet out there with 10 out of 10 scores. And at the time, that game did seem revolutionary. But after a while... You see, the it's not a great platformer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it, the, the, your first impression could be super positive, but that kind of wears down after a while. I think that that is important to um, think about when you're reviewing a game. Mm -hmm. So I try to distance myself before writing the review and finishing the game. Sometimes you can't, but I try to. Yeah, I, I think that's really good advice as well because it, it is good to just take a step back, think on things, uh, simmer, as you said, and really... Uh, consider your feelings about it. Sometimes it's pretty evident. Like I'll, I, as I'm playing and I, I stop for the night of playing a certain game, I'll reflect on what I did and how much fun I had and what I thought as I was playing through it. And uh, you know, you can sort of build up where you were because that's kind of where I was with um, uh, with Yoshi. Well, my first impression of the Yoshi's Crafted World was awful. Like I was just <laughs> like it was just. It was just not clicking with me at all, and uh, whatnot. And I, 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 that might have colored it for the rest of it because it was still like, okay, this is cute, this is good. Uh, there's some real creativity here, but there's still some major problems uh, with this game, and uh, I just had to, you know, think about that, present that as like, okay, here's the positives, here's the negatives, and go uh, from there. Because it is easy to do, and sometimes you like almost want to justify it to yourself. It's like, oh, it wasn't that bad, but you gotta, you gotta have to be honest with yourself as well. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, you might not think it was that bad, but look at the issue. Is it, you know, is it that annoying? <laughs> you know, you have to go from there. Right, and, and sometimes your first impression is your definitive impression. There are times where you play a game for a bit, and you play it for like maybe five minutes, and you say this is great or this is bad, and that just ends up being the thought throughout the entire game, and um, some games can provide an impression that quickly. Like the Final Fantasy VII Remake, I mean, we played that for maybe 10 minutes, I, I'm still thinking about that, mm -hmm. that left such a strong impression on me. Um, so I think there's no doubt that that game's going to be great, and we've barely played it, we've just played it for a little bit. Um, whereas I can play another game for 10 minutes and have no impression, and maybe that's worse. Maybe it's worse not to have any impression on that. Yeah, um, I mean, for the game standards. Going back to Yoshi, I completely like. I was uh, racking my brain some of the Latin reviews I did this year. It's like, which one did I do? And I'm the, like, Yoshi came to mind. It's like, oh right, I did play that this year. Did <laughs> right. not leave much of a lasting impression, unfortunately. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, uh, it, it it is tough doing reviews though. I don't think. As a rule, I don't think there should be a rule. Like no, no review should be done the same way each time because all games are different. Um, and it really, it's just all about your feelings. And mm. uh, so it's probably best not to structure it in a way and just kind of express how you feel after playing the game. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, everybody's well. 
people will complain about, oh, you're biased against this or, you know, I have a bias for this. It's like, and I'll look at that and be like, yeah, I do. <laughs> that's that's called yeah. having an opinion. It's like my, the things I've experienced, the things I've enjoyed uh, lead up to what I think about a game. <laughs> and that, that, that is my bias. <laughs> right, like, here's a spoiler. We're probably going to give Link's Awakening a good review because <laughs> we all like Link's Awakening. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> spoiler, I'm probably going to enjoy Fire Emblem because I do enjoy Fire Emblem. I mean, unless they completely crap the bed, I, I, I have a feeling I'm going to enjoy Three Houses. To what degree, that's the, that's the question. <laughs> Uh huh. The, uh, the the last part part of this question is asking how we score games. That's tricky, and um, I never I never quite know until I'm writing the script yeah. um, how I score a game. I write my entire review and then I just stare at it for a while and say like, "What is this?" Mm. <laughs> and sometimes we ask each other like, "What do you think this is?" I think Andre asked us with his Mario Maker review. Like, what do you, um, reading this text, what do you think I would give it? Uh, and really, I think our system is quite simple. And I see like liked and liked a lot just in general use. Like, people will say, oh, I, I like this game, or I liked it a lot. And it's just kind of an extension of that. It's just like a social way of, mm. of expressing your feelings rather than a number. And it makes it a bit easier maybe, but it's still tricky. It's never, it's, it's never quite clear what we're going to give a game until the last moment. Yeah, because on the one hand, it's the simple act of like, oh, how would you recommend this to your friend? Or like your friend asked, oh, what would you think of the game? Oh, I liked it a lot. Oh, I liked it. Eh. I loved it, you know, that kind of thing. I was like, oh, dude, it was mind-blowing. You know, all those different ways <laughs> that you react for a game. Like, it makes what makes our uh, scoring system so feel so kind of natural. But then you actually get into the writing aspect. It's like, okay, you got to justify going about this and giving that the score. So you, there's still that sort of interplay that you got to keep in mind and how it reads. And I, I, I actually have some where I've uh, had some reviews where I'm like, eh, I only liked it. And then I wrote out and I was talking about what I was doing and thinking about it more. And all of a sudden, like, and be, I'm, all of a sudden end up like, you know, I think I like this a lot <laughs> and, and actually change it on the fly just because yeah. upon reflection while writing, it did change my, like I remembered the good things or uh, the opposite has happened too. Or the more I played it and more I wrote, I'm like, ah, crap, there's a lot of, things I did not enjoy and I somehow like was at this score How, what the heck was I thinking <laughs> uh-huh. I will say one thing about reviews is we hold mind blowing to a very high standard and I think in our entire time in our entire runtime of Game Explain I think just three games have got mind blowing um, mm-hmm. and I think the same courtesy should be given to a 10 out of 10 if yeah. I were to give a game a 10 I think out of the entirety of games that have ever been made my list would be very small I think a 10 is like that should be an almost unreachable score, um, and maybe some, maybe sometimes people give them out a bit too freely. Yeah, I mean, even, and even tens are not perfect. <laughs> it's, it's like it uh-huh. can be completely legendary status, and there's issues. <laughs> there's definitely issues. Like, I mean, all of the uh, games that we did give mind blowing have their issues. Uh, you know, Akami has some pacing issues. I'd say uh, Mario yeah. Odyssey. Uh, your opinion on how the how frequently the moons are handed out that could be an issue um in kingdom hearts whether you know whether or not you get into the series or uh didn't like some of the changes they made to it that can that can be an issue i still absolutely adored it um but it's just uh it's it's one of those things and you know i i still sometimes look back to the kingdom hearts review and it's like did it reserve did it deserve the mind blowing and i'm not sure and i think i i think of it i still adore the game but like sometimes I question, like, did it deserve the the mind blowing? It should have been just a loved. I don't know. <laughs> mm. It's tricky. Mm. I mean, yeah. It, it, the thing about reviews as well is they're not always set in stone either. Exactly. Sometimes opinions do change. 
but um, it's a reflection of what you thought at the time. And I mean, you you loved it. It was a great combination mm-hmm. to the Kingdom Hearts series for you. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the key things here with the Kingdom Hearts series and uh, with just playing that game and what you talked about earlier is how you take the time to reflect on it. I didn't have that time. <laughs> with, uh, yeah, with right. Kingdom That's Hearts not always series. available. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's like I really was riding high. In it. But the thing is, I think back to that time when I was playing Kingdom Hearts 3 and I really was that enamored. It was just... Mm-hmm. Mm, in there in that moment just great and when I think of it like that that's like no I it completely deserved the mind blowing uh huh so be curious to see yeah. what you give your mind blowing to <laughs> yeah I mean there was a time where I thought maybe it would be Resident Evil 4 but unfortunately that port was not mind blowing worthy mm-hmm. and not even Resident Evil 2 got the mind blowing no yeah I, I don't know what I'll give um, I, I honestly don't know what game I'd give a mind blowing I guess we'll see if it ever comes. Yeah. I didn't think I'd ever get to a mind-blowing either, but then three came, and I don't know. If if, if they nail seven, <laughs> that's seven remake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that that That's a candidate. Maybe. We'll see. Mm. That's, man, that left a good first impression with that demo. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, for my topic this week, I got a question from Longshanks, who says... Hi guys, so I'm bad at platformers, they're just not my thing, but after hearing you all talk so highly of Celeste, I had to try it. 20 uh, 20 strawberries and 2,000 deaths later, I beat it and I loved it. Have you ever fallen in love with a game from a genre you normally aren't into? Keep up the great work. Well, first of all, I'm glad you enjoyed Celeste, because it is really that fantastic of a game, so uh, kudos there. Uh, But as far as, like, I was thinking about this, and the, the one genre I just can't really get into are sports games. They just never really clicked with me uh, ever. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the extreme sports games, that's where I got a little bit more in, into it. And it's still, because I still associate them all like I, it's like, ah, oh, this is a sports game and I put it under that all uh, umbrella. And yet, I still had a lot of fun with SSX and SSX Tricky back in the day. I played the the heck out of those, just unlocking everything, getting better at the uh, the boards and scoring, trying to unlock everything. Maybe it was because it was uh, SSX was a launch title for PS2 and there wasn't a whole lot else to play. But it's still, I don't know, it's, it stuck with me. I really enjoyed that game. For a moment, I thought we were going to get like another side of Derek there. We just sort of goes NFL 08. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now a huge NFL fan. <laughs> I, well, actually, on NHL 94. Well, uh, Genesis, that's that's a good game. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have much experience with the NFL. Well, yeah, I, series, yeah, I, I they don't. I don't think they play a lot of football. Well, American football over in the UK, not, not particularly. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose with sports, um, I'm kind of the same. Where I've not, I've never been into um, sports that much, and especially not video game sports. But the Mario series, even if these are more arcadey games than sports games. All the Mario sports games I've been really into. I love Mario Tennis Aces. I love Mario Golf. Um, they're all just... They, they, make, they make the act of a sport more gamey. Whereas a lot of um, sports games are more simulations, I suppose. But um, a- any arcade sports game I think I can have a blast with. But anything like FIFA or NFL or NBA, they're not my thing. <laughs> yeah, not really. <laughs> I guess back in the day, if you want... Uh, if you 
wanted to go back there. The the biggest shift for me ever for liking a genre was my discovery of RPGs. Like you know, like, as I said, I'm pretty sure many times before getting into Final Fantasy VII, I just had a friend like hey, here play this, and I never played anything like an RPG before. Uh, the entire time I had been playing video games up until that point, so experiencing. Uh, what that had to offer was like a switch being flipped for me. All of a sudden, I wanted every RPG out there. I wanted to play them all because it was just, it was like a, it reminded me of uh, when I, me when I was just a, uh, read everything I could get my hands on. It was the same sort of thing. It's like, give me these stories. I want them. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, well, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII was our very first uh, Final Fantasy game in Europe. So I think <laughs> for a lot of people, it's probably their first RPG too. Um, I guess Pokemon was probably a lot of people's first RPG. Yeah, I, don't I don't think, think I don't, I don't think, think about that. I, I don't think of. Our, I was about to say, yeah, I don't think people consider Pokemon an RPG, really. Yeah, because I played Pokemon before seven, obviously, but I'm pretty sure at least. When did Pokemon come out? Uh, ninety eight. Oh, okay. No, then I played seven before. Because I, I think ninety seven was it. Yeah, I think it was ninety eight. So yeah, I, for some reason I thought because it's on the Game Boy, I keep forgetting how long the Game Boy lived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another answer to this question though is uh, more of a strategy game. So like a real time strategy, I suppose. Pikmin. Um, Pikmin mm. is the most accessible strategy game I think. Um, and I've never been too into the genre. I play a couple of PC strategy games, but they've the, the genre as a whole hasn't really uh, grabbed me. But Pikmin is just so easy to pick up and play. And um, I think a, a big part of it is because you control a character rather than being a cursor. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can just move around and like be be one with this character, I think there's a lot more context to it. And um, Pikmin also manages to make you feel a sense of urgency as well <laughs> because you're, you're constantly on a timer the entire time. And even though you can't, you can take your time, um, you always feel like you have to do the most of what you have, which is basically the best thing you can do in a strategy game, is time management. Uh, I think Pikmin nails that. So you have, if you haven't played um, Pikmin before, and you do want a strategy kind of um, an ease of access to the genre, I think this this could be that game. Mm-hmm. And speaking of strategy, because I w- wasn't initially into strategy RPGs either, I, I picked up Final Fantasy Tactics because uh, oh, yeah. of the whole Final Fantasy thing, but that did not get me into the, into the genre. Like I played a little oh. bit bit of it, but I uh, and I enjoyed what I had been I played, but I only got to like the f- second mission or something like that, and I kept dying. And that's because I didn't realize it was possible to grind by going back and forth on the map. I didn't realize there were random encounters that you could use to uh, increase your character stats. That took me three or four times of playing the game and getting frustrated that I could not beat that second bit because they were just so much harder than what I had and getting frustrated. But once I did, it clicked for me and it was all good. But that didn't happen until after the strategy game that got me into the into the, into the genre, which was the original Disgaea. Uh, and that I, was... I think I remember you saying this before when um, Disgaea 1 Complete came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still have not picked that up. But yeah, it's, it, it was... <laughs> I don't know. I really enjoyed it. It, was like it had this... Uh, anarchic quality to it with the characters and uh, just a lot to do and it was pretty simple mechanics to understand and it just, I don't know, clicked with me. I remember my first Metal Gear game was Metal Gear Acid. Oh gosh. (laughs) uh, I um, suddenly got into Brawl and I thought I should probably play the Metal Gear series. So I got my PSP, picked up Metal Gear Acid and I thought, this is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure Acid's okay, but as a first impression to Metal Gear it was, it was a bad experience. 
and um, maybe I'll enjoy it now more that more now that I'm more into that kind of RPG um, like strategy RPG. But at the time, it was just such, such a bad impression, and it kind of put me off the genre for a long time too. <laughs> until Fire Emblem, which um, uh, Fire Emblem Awakening was the one that got me in, and I'm not a huge Fire Emblem fan, but um, and I'm also not a huge strategy RPG fan, but um, Fire Emblem was just so inviting and. Uh, and I, I, I am plan- planning to pick up Three Houses, even though I, I skip Fates. But um, it's just a nice introduction to the genre. I think a lot of it has to do with the characters and story as well, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I attempted to get into Fire Emblem just because, you know, you hear about uh, Roy and Marth and like, all right, who are these characters? What are they from? And, oh, it's a strategy right. RPG. I'll <laughs> check this out and got it for the Game Boy Advance and played a little bit of it, but never got that far. And then I picked it up for pa- uh, Path of Radiance on GameCube, and that's where the Fire Emblem really clicked for me. Like I was like, oh, okay, this is this is cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've got Radiant Dawn, but not Path of Radiance. <laughs> I kind of need to fix that. <laughs> yeah, good luck getting Path of Radiance for any decent price. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's uh, it's a bit pricey, but uh, indeed, a lot of um, a lot of the GameCube like the uh, the bigger ones are expensive now. Like a uh, thousand year door is expensive now. As is um, what else? Bait and Kaitos. That's expensive. Jeez, oh, they're all expensive. Yeah, they Nintendo needs to start re-releasing these GameCube games. That'd be nice. <laughs> it would be. Oh boy, but uh, yeah, I, like I said, no, no game this week. We're just a little short on time, so uh, apologies for that. But uh, as always, thank you so much for your questions. And if you want to support us on Patreon, it's just one dollar a month. Uh, get the uh, ask these type of questions as well as uh, get these podcasts three days early every Friday and uh, hopefully we'll have more of the crew and more time to dedicate to this next week uh, fingers crossed but before we sign off completely for this week we did want to do um, something a little bit more somber uh, because this past week we did learn of the unfortunate passing of uh, Desmond Amofa better known as Etika and uh, though none of us were able to interact with him directly, his impact among the gaming community is undoubted. Uh, people loved him for good reason, and his uh, death is—it's hard. It's—it's—it's—it it's impacts a lot of people, and we just want to offer up our condolences for that and um, end off the podcast with. Uh, a minute of silence. So, thank you. Rest in peace, Etika. Thank you for all that you did. And we'll see you guys next time.